0: Welcome. You've splash landed into this Prosecco laden podcast, straight into the woo woo pool with the crew of Om G. We're just a simple group of tragically imperfect and highly empathic BFFs exploring a wide range of atypical topics with humor, grace, and curiosity. This is Om G. Welcome. The topic today is trauma. Do you save the drama for your mama? Or do you create drama from your trauma? Let's talk about it. You're
1: here with the crew of all All All
2: the The podcast. Welcome back, y'all.
1: Welcome. We are talking about trauma and drama. And a little bit of mamas and llamas. What else? (laughs) All right. So who wants to take this discussion? Who wants to take the lead on this discussion? I, Everybody's a little scared, too. It's like, it's, it's like we all want to have this conversation, mm-hmm. but we're all like, mm.
2: Nose <laughs> goes.
0: <laughs> I'm feeling good. Do we jack with that?
3: Well, maybe we do. Maybe we do. It's like halfway between I don't know where to start
1: and do I really want to call it out? Mm-hmm. And also, who's going to listen? And are they going to be offended?
2: well what's
1: in your box pandora
2: Mm. oh Oh. my god i love that name welcome to the stage the 10 tapping toes of pandora (laughs) i if i ever do drag that'll be my name um well for me i was just thinking about who's listening and are they offended or whatever and i just heard oprah say that has nothing to do with you shout out girl if you're listening but Yeah, that has nothing to do with us, and that's not our problem if they are offended, but I also, it made me think of this article I read once about writing about people that you're close to, or like in writing about your life or personal experiences or blog posts or whatever, and this likelihood with talking about our last episode with social media and people seeing things and following you, that there are people that are close to you that you're probably writing about that are going to read what you wrote. And might remember things differently or see it differently from their perspective and be but hurt or offended. And they argued in their article something along the lines of if they wanted to be written about differently, they should have acted differently. Mm. And I was like, that part. So
1: I also think, like, for not everybody in our lives, but like a lot of things that I've written about. In my blog post or my newsletters for the podcast. Apparently, the family heard about it and it got passed around. Right. And then, you know, everybody was upset because, you know, Brin Sue was writing about her stuff. But I think, oh, geez, y'all just totally lost my train of thought. Don't you hate it when that happens?
0: I do hate that. Kind habits. of like showing your ass in church. You just right. go Don't there. Do
1: it. and You can live under wraps and you respect your family. Right. But, you know, I feel like also they did the best that they, that's where I was going with that. Sorry about that. They did the best that they could in the place that they were and with the knowledge that they had. Yes. So I feel like, you know, with the experiences that we have all had collectively, like we have grown out of those experiences as well. Yeah. And I was, had a reading with someone one time and she said, well, if you hadn't had those experiences, you wouldn't have known how to rise up. So, I brought those experiences into my life. Maybe before I came into this life, I was like, I want to have this family or this, these people around me in order to grow and be able to be who I am today. Because we wouldn't be who we are today without that crap.
0: Without mm-hmm. the strife. And we talked yeah. about this at that wicked little killer party we went to last night up in Bethania. That. Before we incarnate into this lifetime, we pick our chart based on the lessons we need to learn. We pick our parents, we pick our friends and everyone we encounter so we can walk through the fire, get baptized, whatever, and grow from those experiences.
3: Yeah, this is Chandra, and I think the other part of it is we have to kind of put ourselves in kind of like the generic spot, kind of look at it from everybody's perspective, because just like we were talking about, you know, we had pictures made of ourselves and we were all kind of like critiquing our own pictures because we were looking at it through our perspective and our views. But then you hand the thing over to somebody else that loves you and they just, they think you look beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking at it from, from within in your own perspective. And so any, any family members that may be reading it, they're not looking at it through your eyes. They're looking at it through their own eyes, like their own, their own experiences and their own lens. And it's like, not that what you wrote was be all end all truth and not that the way they took it was the be all end all truth. Like it was either perspective was shaded and, Mm -hmm. and kind of altered by the lens that you're, that you're viewing it through. So it's if, like you said, if they're offended or they're butthurt, they, we kind of have to like still look at it and go, I'm offended because of the way that I took it or the way that i perceiving it not necessarily the words that were said or or even the meaning behind the words
2: right
1: well i think a lot of people like all of us we can see something in our life that we have taken on as a trauma that other people might not look at as a a quote unquote trauma like
4: mm-hmm.
1: i was beaten or
0: assaulted or
1: yes right but you know these certain circumstances in life may have created trauma for me personally which makes me react or act in a certain way because Mm -hmm. of the circumstances of things that happen so i think we should get specific because i think other people want to hear about our own uh, traumas yes and how we have healed those things so that we don't create drama Mm -hmm. in our lives from our trauma you know go ahead Camille.
0: I was going to say, when I first came to North Carolina, I went to this writer's workshop up in Little Switzerland, North Carolina. And during one of the sessions, this writer who has several published books told me, if you are writing a book for your mother to read, you are not ready to be a writer yet. Mm. That's all I have to say about that. Wow.
2: Damn.
1: So which trauma we want to talk about first, y'all? We want to talk about religious trauma. We want to talk about family trauma. We want to talk about what
2: we want to talk about. Girl, so much of those are interconnected. I feel like yeah. you and I, at least. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we were having a little a bit of a discussion, like a prompt before we started recording. And everybody's got a little bit of religious trauma, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the South. It is the South. We're in the buckle of the Bible Belt, baby. So, I mean, for me, like. Mine might be quick, but I didn't have to go to like a Catholic school or a Christian school, whatever. But I was homeschooled by my mom, who was the daughter of a Baptist preacher. And so we, I, did, I had to beg to go to public school and finally got to go in high school. And she didn't want me to go, I think probably because it was secularized. And so, like, I mean, in 10th grade, when I was in public school, we were learning about evolution and biology. She's like, you know, you don't have to believe that. You, and I'm like, girl, I'm doing a homework assignment. Like, it's not like a belief thing. It's just like, I'm doing this for a grade, you know? And so I think that they're, I try to think of my parents and my experience with them growing up as exactly what Brenda said. Like they did the best that they could during that time with what they knew and the tools that they had. Yep. And once they've known better, they've done better, you know?
0: That's a powerful thing when it comes to forgiving people, by mm-hmm. the way, mm-hmm. is repeating that.
2: Yeah.
3: Well, and the personal responsibility of figuring out how to do better.
2: Yeah, 100%. Mm Because some
1: people don't ever want to do
2: better. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I think from their perspective, they were, like, they have done the best that they can based on their experiences in life and what they allow themselves to be open to. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So there's only so far that you can grow from that if you keep your limited belief system. Yes. Which we all have different limiting beliefs, but like with the whole, you know, evolution thing, like mm-hmm. I never learned that in school because I went, I was homeschooled. Right. Then I went to Seventh-day Adventist school. And so I never learned evolution
4: right.
1: or like regular science, really. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I really missed out on that. Like mm-hmm. once I was in college and getting my associate's degree. Mm-hmm and stuff, you know, I it was like I was learning everything for the first time. Yeah. which was really weird because there I was, you know, 40 plus years old learning this stuff for the first time and I felt like so behind because I was in there with all these young kids and they had already been learning about it in high school. But you know, your dad grew up that way.
2: Oh, totally, yeah.
1: And then I guess your mom did as well, not believing in evolution and so it's just really really bizarre to me that people Limit themselves so much to not even like take it into their awareness, whether they want to believe it or not. But not to just like they don't even want to hear it. It's just like it's not a thing we want to even like pretend to think about Mm that it could have existed.
2: Well, it's funny because my brother, my middle brother, is like in school to become a pastor, and so we all went out for our mom's birthday recently, and we were talking. He was a big part of a church think it was a baptist church i'm not really sure and so my husband and i were driving with him to the restaurant and he was like talking about this experience that he had and how there was this woman who was at this church who from my understanding of him telling it she was like opening portals and not like in the church but like i know everyone has just i was <laughs> this <laughs> poked up And so he was talking about, like, just how wrong that was and how whatever, you know. And so I'm just, like, sitting, like, I'm just, like, in the passenger seat and Christian's driving, like, see how this turns out, you know. And so he said that she gave him a book. It was, like, about Christianity and God and white Jesus and whatever. But it also was a portals and, like, energy. And it it was kind of like a woo take on Christianity is what it sounded like. And so he and a pastor friend went home and burned, tried hey. to burn the book, and the book wouldn't burn.
1: That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm.
2: I, uh, and so that freaked him out, and he ended up having, like, a panic attack about something else later, and, like, he ended up leaving the church, and they were, like... The church sounded very cult-like, because they also kind of shunned this woman.
1: I mean, don't they all sound know, kind of cool?
2: I mean, period, okay. but yeah. but um, but- So he was trying to explain to Christian and I that like, not all churches are like this, like they're not all culty and whatever. And so we were like, yeah, we get that, but because he's invited us to church several times and whatever, you know, I know the intent is well, and that's coming from a place of care and whatever. But for me, it's literally about like two things. One, waking up early on a weekend day, having Mm -hmm. something, right. Jokes aside, fucking tired. And two, it's that whole socialization aspect of, like, being intimate with people out of, like, obligation and in this social setting where, like, they need to know things about you and you need to know things about them and you have to get together. And then if you miss a Sunday or two, like, oh, where have you been? And we're, Like, I, I don't do that bullshit. You know what I mean? So, like, I you, church. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in church right now. That's exactly how I feel. And so when I sort of explained spirit circles, he was like, what? what? I just... And so it didn't it wasn't clicking like I think Mm. he just thinks and probably my mom and whomever else but I think that they probably think oh well Aaron and Brenda are just so out there they're so into the woo that it doesn't make sense they're talking to dead people and they're conjuring demons devil's got him devil's got him and it's like I feel and I don't feel like this is coming from a place of ego but out of our and I love my family but I feel like out of the relatives that we've grown up and been around, like you and I are very Christ-like in that we treat everyone fairly and equally and don't discriminate against people based on their race or their religion or their gender, sexuality, whatever. We
1: just discriminate if they're jerk
2: holes. Yes. So we no. don't want to be around jerk holes. Exactly. 50 no dicks allowed. Exactly. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Except for the big ones. no. But I think, and I cannot lie. And I cannot lie. Sorry. That was longer than I thought it would be. Um, That's what she said.
4: Well, here's (laughs) talking about the evolution and the, and the Christian beliefs of, you know, how the world was created, even as a, so I grew up Catholic, cradle Catholic here from Hispanic background. And so church is a big thing, you know, ceremony had to get baptized, you know, all the things, sacraments, whatever. I was even a catechist. Which is a religious teacher for the Catholic Church. Anyway, um, even as a child, reading the creation story in the Bible, and then just it seemed more like a fairy tale. I felt like reading Grimm's. To me, it felt like reading Grimm's fairy yeah. tales or or something like that because none of it made freaking sense. Well, that's logically, I mean, even in my child brain, I'm like, but that, how did that? How did they get two of each animal onto this art? And from
0: the Arctic, it's
4: not even not kill each other off. You know, it's like the the lions would eat, want to eat everything, you know? Well, in my child's mind, none of that made sense. And it, so I guess I was doomed from the beginning. Well, but that's what I was going to say is that a lot of
3: what I felt like my trauma from the religious background perspective was like Rosalie said, even at a younger age, I would sit there and I would, I would listen, (laughs) but I would think to myself, that's such a narrow minded perspective. There's got to be more to this than just that.
2: Because that's you, even as a young person or as a child, already having that critical thinking piece Mm -hmm. of like, this is not fit. So there's Mm got to be something more. Why would you shut? And I'm like you, I'm
3: I'm sitting there listening to those stories. And even in my mind, I'm going, Why can't all these people sitting around me see that these are parables, that this book is written by man? Yes, maybe it's inspired by God. Maybe it is. Maybe. But it's still being filtered through a human brain. And so how is the human brain going to assimilate God-like information? Well, it's going to tell a story.
2: Right. So this
3: is telling a story to get a point across that God is trying to get across these people, right. so they can tell other people to help them understand it. It's not that the whale swallowed Jonah. Right. This is a story to explain a concept to you, but everybody there is going Praise oh, the I mean, you know,
2: he tries to the whale, the wall. I'm you know, Thank you.
3: Just like you know, and and I, would, frustrating. I was frustrating. It was so frustrating. Yeah. Right. I felt so squashed.
4: Like I felt like, like mentally, like mm-hmm. intellectually that it was, it was suffocating. And if you argued a point, yes. I was, and I tried to argue a point. Firstly, I'm going to pray for you. They mm-hmm. squished me. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. your heart. Yeah. It was like, well, the Bible says, so that's the way it is. Right. I've been <laughs> asked to the church. Course, I feel no, you.
3: Nothing. But well, and I'm not saying that what it's saying is wrong. I'm just saying that it's,
4: yeah.
0: Not Right,
4: right. So if this is right, you know, and then, like I said, gross fairy tales, well, how do people imagine this stuff if it's not real or if it's what, whatever? I want, you know, to see the big bad wolf myself, you know, more the three little pigs that talk or, you know, whatever. But okay, just I'm cutting myself off because it should be on and on, on forever, but I'll um, get herself
2: the. I will. road up as we have
0: it's like people who say, "But how do you believe in that astrology? Well, how do you believe that a, a snake talked to a person and convinced them to eat an apple and contributed to the downfall of mankind?
1: right That's a whole nother episode. I think we're going to talk more about this when we come back because I got some stuff to say about that. Mm-hmm. But on that note, we're going to take a quick little break, and we'll be right back, y'all, go fill up your glass. Cha-ching. And now we're back, y'all. I forgot I to turn my microphone on.
2: Off.
1: We could talk about religious trauma for days, but
2: on or off the mic, on on
1: off the mic. I could just talk about that forever. So let's go back to like trauma in general and how we process it. And I, I think we should do one on religious trauma and the similarities between like the real world and religion and why. We separate ourselves so much from each other, and what the similarities are and the differences. But that's another episode, Maybe that's so a
0: uni-series. That
1: that yes. is, but talking back on like childhood family trauma, my parents, I love y'all, I really do. but they use religion a lot as the guilt, like mm-hmm. you know, Jesus wouldn't like it if you did that now. or're just gonna be disappointed. And I will be... How are you going to feel when you have to answer to Jesus for that, when you say yeah, for him? Yeah. We'll feel okay.
2: Almost as a Santa's always watching.
1: Right. It's the same thing though, right? It yeah,
2: absolutely is. It's a scare tactic. It's yeah, here.
1: Yeah. So why would anybody want to be religious? But anyway, going back to the like family stuff, whenever I would get in trouble, my mother it was very important to her not to use anger within her punishings, which I really appreciated that. Yes. But she did use God. So it would. I'm not angry with God.
2: God. Ron is a little disappointed. but
1: Right. (laughs) So it would be like you had to write Bible verses or you had to read this much of the Bible or of some other religious texts from the Seventh-day Adventist religion. So now, you know, I'm always getting the religious literature. Yo, I haven't opened up my birthday present. Yeah. Another episode. Okay. That's another episode too. But it's like, why do they have to use something to create this feeling of fear to make you behave or make you behave the way they want you to behave? Right. I didn't know that anything that I ever did was really awful, but I didn't kill nobody when I was a kid. Now, did I?
2: Now, her adulthood is a little bit different.
1: Now, y'all, I did steal a pack of gum one time. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I was like seven or eight. You did not
0: commit adultery. You did not covet your neighbor's ass. I mean, I don't know about the rest. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I did have to go back to that store and give the gum back and tell them I was sorry. That was appropriate. Yeah, it totally was. But anyway, I'm sure we could go on and on about trauma and family stuff. Mine mostly is around religion. So you guys kick off with whatever your family trauma was. Well,
3: when we were talking earlier about understanding now that we're doing the work, that they were operating from a place of wherever they were in their life, and they were doing the best that they could with the tools that they had. Well, I was talking to Camille about this actually just last night, but you know, as I've started to try to do some of the work and figure out a lot of the reasons of you know why I am the way I am and starting to do a lot of like the self-acceptance of, you know, okay, this is is not a character flaw. This is just the way I was made. Right. You know, even though it's, it may not be something that I like about myself, it doesn't mean that I have to hate myself because of the thing. Right. And a lot of that work, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but you know, due to a lot of that type of work, I've come very late in life to realize that I was undiagnosed ADHD through my whole childhood. Mm -hmm. You know, in trying to explain that to my mother, you know, I was sharing with her an example of like what it actually sounds like in my head all the time. Right. So she could like understand some of the things that I've dealt with. And in talking to her, one of the things that I said is, I hope you understand how lucky you were that I was at least smarter than the average bear. Like I had an intellectual level where I could come up with systems and things within myself to deal with this. Yeah. And not have it become, you know, not let the noise get to the point where it became a behavioral problem for you or that it affected my learning in any way. Mm -hmm. Right. And one of the things that I said to her in that conversation was, like, if I didn't have the tools intellectually to have dealt with it at that young of age, can you imagine how hateful I would have been? Mm. And then I thought, holy Shit. Yeah. Because my grandmother, her mother, I loved her because she was my grandmother. I didn't necessarily like the person that she was. Sure. Like, she was not a, a likable person. And I, I always joked and called her queen of the narcissists. <laughs> and I joked that it was like she was the center of the universe and everything else had to revolve around her. But when I said that to her, it occurred to me my grandmother had a sixth grade education. Like, mm. what if she was also ADHD? Like, what if she had all this noise in her head 24 seven and she didn't have the capability to deal with it? Right. And then I started looking at a lot of the things that she did. Like she had no sense of direction. Like she would go to the same place every day. But if she had to tell you how to get there, she couldn't do it. Like she couldn't tell you what street we turn on or what the mm. name of the road is. And that is one of the symptoms of ADHD, you have a hard time telling left from right or north from south or, right. or and things like that. She was forever stimming in some way, picking at her fingers or mm-hmm. playing games so that she didn't have to have conversations. Like,
0: yeah, because it's stillness is the enemy.
3: Well, but when you have all that noise in your head, you have to do something to tune out the noise around you. Yep. Because otherwise, you get really, really overstimulated. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just looking back at some of these things, I could really, as I started to learn more about it for myself, I could really start to see that it really, really looks like that's what was wrong with her. And then I did a little bit more investigating and I read an article. It, they hadn't done a study yet, but they had come across several instances where, especially in older adults that had been undiagnosed, that undiagnosed ADHD came across as narcissistic behavior disorder. Like it would appear that these people were either bipolar or narcissistic behavior disorder. And I'm like, well there you go.
2: All the pieces fit.
3: Right. Right. But and whether that's all true or not, it gave me the ability to forgive her for a lot of the things that she did. Mm -hmm. Very important. Yeah. Because I could see how if she was dealing with some of the things that have the noise in my head didn't affect me as much when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, you know, and obviously as you get older, cognitively, you start to slow down. Sure. You know, and that's when it really started to affect me more. Mm -hmm. And just thinking about, you know, her not having really any tools or, you know, back then they didn't even really have a name for it. Um, It gave me a lot of grace for her.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's like you saw it from a different perspective. Right,
3: you know? right. And it's been actually very healing. Huge personal yeah. growth. Yeah. But I still find myself being triggered by things that she said to me. Mm-hmm. Like
1: even though
3: I've been able to understand her and forgive her. Like still when, you know, Jason says that one thing, or you know, I hear somebody talk about something that she used to say about me. Yeah. It still triggers me. So there's I know there's still a lot of work to do, but you know, I'm still dealing with, even though I've been able to see it in a different light, there's still a lot of trauma from that relationship that, of course, Yeah, I'm still having to deal with.
1: I wonder if even if you have the awareness of it and you like understand it on a um, intellectual level, can you still not be triggered by it? I think you would still feel maybe not reactive or it would probably still be a trigger and mm-hmm. create some sort of feeling in your body. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Not i only human, but the knowledge helps.
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't know that that could ever go away, even if you understand where it comes from. It just becomes less intense. I think, don't you think?
3: Yeah, but I mean, it's it's still like you know, kind of self love work that you have to do. Sure. It's like I mean, I'm gonna. This is not a real example. It's just like a stupid simple. I mean, like you know, if someone told you for your whole life that your hair was ugly, mm. and then. Even though you realize why that person would say that now, but tomorrow some stranger goes, you have the ugliest hair I've ever seen. It's still going to trigger you it,
2: right back it, your- to that place.
3: And to be in five years old or whatever. And, you know, yes. rather, rather than going, rather than having the self-awareness in that moment to go, I wonder what's wrong with them I mean, I wonder what's happened in their life that they feel like they have to push that
2: project their shit. Right. You.
3: Right. Project their pain onto somebody else. Immediately, you go back to the five-year-old child that felt dissed or whatever, you know? Totally. So, yeah, I, I still, I'm like you. I still think it's going to be triggered until you do the self-love work to realize that, honey, that's your opinion. You can have your opinion, and
1: I'll have mine when I get home, Yeah. you know? And if we ever get there, y'all, we'll let you know. Exactly.
2: It's a long and winding road. It is. Yeah, I think it brings an awareness to it. Mm-hmm. But I think that you're still triggered.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: so it might be over time less intense, or it might be.
3: To what extent you get triggered? Like, it, you may yes. get triggered, but if you can immediately go to, okay, there's something in their life, it's they're projecting onto me. It's not that they. Totally. It's not me that they're hating. They're hating something else and they have to project it off onto someone else. I
2: and mean, even just having that awareness and that thought is transformative yeah. because, like, it takes the the awareness and understanding to realize that they're going through something or have been through something instead of taking it personally. And
3: it stops you from spiraling on it.
2: A hundred percent. Yeah. And they're like working through therapy, um, which just started my life, but also probably a future episode. My, like so much of my life has been about people pleasing and wanting to be accepted by others because I wasn't as a kid and felt different for being gay and yada, yada. Yada. And so we, in a recent session, worked through, so I was long, long, long story of time traveling trauma um, short is that it was a lady at church and she printed out some like MySpace things that I had posted just saying like, you know, why can't people just treat everyone equally? Like, you know, I thought the golden rule was love that neighbor. Why don't like, use we... this stuff. A little bit. You know what I mean? It's like, why don't we hang on You know what I mean? Like, why don't we talk to the neighbors? Like, call me crazy. But anyways. Crazy, so just call me. Um, but so this bitch at church printed out the whatever I had said, but it was like this specifically was taking up for gay people. So she had printed it out, showed my mom, um, who was not aware, I guess, that I had a MySpace or that, whatever. And so she's like, I'm really worried about Aaron, you know, we're just praying for him, and I just it just seems like he's talking about himself, and blah blah. blah. And meanwhile, I'm like. Getting sped on, I'm getting cursed at. I'm having things thrown at me in PE class in high school. It was really, really horrible. And so, me writing something about treating people equally it mm-hmm. sh- shouldn't be the problem, right? Right. Like, right. But, um. Anyway, so I'll never forget finding out officially that my mom had seen that, and I guess I just think about like how I would have acted as a parent, and I get that in that moment she did the best that she knew how to do with what she had. And I love her to death, but it wasn't enough. And so that has always stuck with me and still does. And I'm still working through it. But she asked me, you know, why do you feel that way? Why are you talking about these people on this thing that you posted or whatever? And I said, well, because I am, I'm gay. And she said, no, you're not just immediately. And so then I think that just like was like, like I felt like I was thrown through a wall, and it was like, "Well, do I really know myself?" Like I felt like I battled with this my entire life, and you're telling me that that's not true. That that's not my truth. And so, does my opinion really matter? How do I feel validated? Like all this internal. Well, and to,
3: and well, that's an adult, and that's my mother, and that's yeah. my authority figure. Yeah. Do they, do they really know something that I don't know
2: exactly like exactly. yeah so it really fucks with you mentally and so oh, yeah. then she was more so concerned with what the people in the church were going to think oh of course rather than what appearance her, the appearance yeah it matters and, in uh, and so after that she wanted to go to like a Christian specifically Christian therapist and counselor or whatever I don't think we ever ended up doing that I don't recall or maybe I blocked it out but I do remember a doctor's visit we went to one time. And it was, I was taken under the premise, this was, I was 14, so I was a freshman in high school. And it was under the premise that it was a physical. So I just needed to get like blood work done. Like there's lots of diabetes on my mom's side of the family, whatever. And so they did some blood work and they did like a physical and stuff. And she did was the like,
0: diabetes, my yeah. gang. It's the
2: sugar. It's the sugar. Baby.
0: <laughs> so, my and got the, sugar, oh, not the shrimp, yeah.
2: so he's closing, And so, she told the doctor. She said, "The sugar." Tank. She said, "Can you check for testosterone levels?" And the doctor was like, "Sure, but I mean, everything like that doesn't seem like anything alarming. Like he seems fine." And she's like, well, "I just, and I'd really prefer if you'd check for testosterone levels, like just to see where he's at on that." and and went through this whole thing with how there's a chemical imbalance in my brain. Like, so she's saying all of these things, right? And so, in therapy a couple weeks ago, we worked through that's what she's saying. But the message that sweet baby 14 year old me took was something is wrong with you inherently that you can change. There's a defect. You will never be good enough.
3: And my parents think that there's a defect.
2: In my, yes. And so, that was huge. And so, breaking through that to realize as a 30 year old man, Who's in a happily happily married to a gay man, have dogs on home, career, master's degree, yada yada yada. So much was I'm worthy. Look at me. Look what I can do. Like a Stewart from fucking Mad TV. I said, "Look what I can do." You know, but I, so much of that was to prove to the outside world. Like, look how good I am. Look how smart I am. Look how capable. And in reality. It was me. I was proving it to all along. So at 30, like feeling that and being like, I'm a kick-ass person and maybe one day will parent a kid in such a different way.
0: Oh my gosh. You just made me think of this awesome, I guess, sentence I read recently. Are you actively being the person that you needed as a child?
2: Okay, Okay. I just have cold chills everywhere because kids have asked me why I became a teacher and that's what I tell them. Okay. is that I became a teacher to be who I needed when I was younger and some think it's sweet but most of the time people are like what because they're 12 but yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> um, yet. So of the but they don't know yet they don't know yet but I, yeah. when I see my little my little gays and lesbians who are not who not are fully aware of that yet yeah I see my black kids and my Hispanic kids that are treated differently. And I see my, you know, Muslim kids who are hated on because of their religion and whatever. And it was the national teacher day recently. And so I had them write to anyone in the building. So I had one sweet kid write to the janitor. I had one sweet kid write to the cafeteria lady, Miss Cheryl. And she cried. She was like, "Oh, I was like, yes, Miss Cheryl. It's so cute. And so many of them wrote to me. And mm-hmm. what one girl was like, I've never had a father figure in my life and you're like, I call you my dad, but you're like my dad. And um, another girl said, "I'm sorry things didn't work out with your son, but you always have me as your daughter." It was just like very, like uh, you know, like
1: gather of many, yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of us have felt that rejection in childhood. Mm -hmm. Of mine came through the religious rejection because you know if you were bad and you did something wrong, you disappointed God and is the be all end all right so then you must be a really bad person and need to repent for your sins even though you don't know what the hell you did so i think that goes on many layers whether it's you know through religion or through being different being gay or being a different colored skin or being the fat kid growing up or some marginalized group right Mm so of of any description yes. So I think everyone can relate to that rejection wound. I think that's what it is. It's the rejection wound and not feeling accepted by the masses. So I think a lot of that work is like to accept ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest of all, right? Because even though we may think that we do, we still seek some sort of outward approval. Is this person like the way that I look or the way that I talk or do they approve that I have a master's degree or that I don't have a master's? Do they disapprove because I don't have one? Because we talked about that in an episode too, about Mm -hmm. going back to school to, you know, I was going to go back and get my master's degree. And I got to the bottom of that because I wanted people to take me seriously and to think that I was smart or that I was capable or that I could do more than I'm doing right now. Right. So, I'm just coming to the place to like fully accept myself 197%. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. That's progress,
0: boo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just
1: trying to accept yes. who I am and what I have to offer the world because I have something. It's not for everybody. Right. But it's going to be for somebody. That's right. And is. the fact that it's only for one person
3: that makes a difference. It
2: makes it. Right. A and those people are finding you. I don't know if it was this episode or the last one we talked about abundance and how you're manifesting that like mm-hmm. with the festival yesterday with like summer solstice is coming up with wisdom like all these different things where like new clients are coming to you people are rebooking like people are experiencing you and your sessions and your energy healing and you tuning in and they're realizing wow she has a gift and she can help me grow on my own spiritual path you know and you don't need a piece of fucking paper for that
1: no, and I think we all have to kind of find that within ourselves, whatever it may be. Let, let me ask this.
0: Devil's advocate, is trauma a
1: gift? Mm. Oh, girl.
3: I don't think I would call it a gift, but I do think it is, like we were talking about earlier, it's kind of like the impetus for the lesson. Yeah. Like, that's what we've come to earth school for. We said, we want to learn this and this and this. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like the break down first before you can, you know, it's just like building a house. You have to dig a deep hole. Yes. And lay a foundation before you can build the house. And so I feel like a lot of the trauma that we all experience as children is dependent on what lessons we said we wanted to learn in this existence. So, how deep of a hole did we need for All how right. big of a foundation to finally build what we
1: said we wanted? Yeah, we are building our houses, y'all. We are. We're building freaking castles. We're building our mansions in the sky. Yes. Like,
2: Hallelujah. And then when she asked that, the first thing I thought it was getting coal on Christmas morning. I'm like, it's a gift, but like not what do you want <laughs> to signed up for? So you just do the best you can with it.
1: Yeah. I do.
3: Speaking of trauma, I do want to give a shout out to um, Melissa Sparrow.
0: Oh
2: yeah, has been
3: has been I, I guess on the show before, but um, I had an Akasha Records reading with her, and she told me shit about myself.
2: She is the real fucking deal, y'all. If you have um, not listened to the episode or investigated her more, Melissa Sparrow, I think it's Melissa Sparrow Healing on yeah. social media and Instagram. She's wonderful. She's
3: amazing. But what she was telling me is that in a past life, it had been more of a life of open love. Mm-hmm. Like it had, there had been a lot of love given and received it was just a a a more kind of open loving space and so i kind of felt like i had mastered that yeah and so i needed to learn how to do that as a human like in a Mm. in a existence where love wasn't the predominant go-to emotion right and so she started telling me about these things that i had made contracts with and i'm like so melissa what you're telling me is that I did it well in this other lifetime. And so I got cocky. Right. And I said, give me all the things because I've already mastered it. So just give me all the things and let me show you what I can do.
2: Right. I'm like, I'm so
3: stupid. (laughs) You are a challenge. And I got one.
2: Yeah.
0: I
3: got one. So it's kind of be careful what you ask for. (laughs) For
2: sure. Yeah.
3: But but there again, thankful because it gave me a whole different perspective on a lot of the things that, that I've experienced, so
2: that was great. Oh, absolutely. Well, if you liked this content, leave us a review wherever you get your podcast Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, et cetera. And thank you so much for being with us today. I feel like this could definitely be extensions in future episode ideas for sure, because we all have been through some shit and trauma, whether it's family, religious, or otherwise. Especially in the Woo community, I feel like so much of us are seeking validation yeah. and have been through shit and are trying to love and figure out ourselves. And so hopefully this resonated with some of you. Y'all are the reason that we do this to make a community and form a community. So we love and appreciate you for being with us. And we'll see you next time.
1: See you on the next episode, folks. Bye-bye, Bye-bye, guys.
3: Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. Please follow and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. It's so easy to do and such a huge help for us. We appreciate your interactions so much. Want to join us at our table? Make sure to check out our YouTube channel and join our Facebook community. If you've enjoyed this content and wish to support us, take a look at our Patreon page. All information and links will be in our podcast description. Catch you next time. This
0: podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM.